You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. I'd like to set the stage for uh, the message by telling you a personal story. And some of you may have heard parts of this story, but I want to tell it again today. I think it's very appropriate. And in doing so, I need to uh, take you back all the way to January 1st of 2017. And I want to take you to early in the morning. In fact, uh, the morning, uh, the new year was just as fresh as a, a baby who had just been born when our phone rang at 2.30 a.m. Now, would you agree with me that when your phone rings at 2.30 in the morning, it's typically not good news? Yeah, I, I think we can all agree on that. Bracing myself that my phone was ringing, um, typically you don't get good news at 2.30 in the morning. I reached for the phone. Uh, as I put it up to my ear and said hello, I heard my oldest son uh, say, Dad. And immediately, I know, what, what am I getting ready to be told? And he began by saying, um, uh, telling me that his brother, our youngest son, he's okay. And I knew that by saying that, he was letting me know he's not dead. But I'm calling you at 2.30 in the morning for a reason. And he went on to inform us that our son had been brutally attacked. And the hours that followed would reveal that he had suffered um, internal injuries that would require multiple surgeries in the days, the weeks, and the months to come. And um, my, my initial feeling was, what a way to mark the new year. I mean, the new year was two and a half years, two and a half hours old, and this is the news that we're getting. Um, and then, if that weren't tough enough, if that weren't a most difficult way to begin the new year, I would have you fast forward to later in the month of January. We were working at a church in Florida and um, a very unfortunate, a very chaotic, a very confusing situation arose in the church and um, it affected us greatly. And suddenly now we felt like there had been a knapsack, sizable knapsack placed on our backs and it was getting heavier and heavier. We, were all, we weren't even finished with the first month of the year, and it seemed like the journey was going to be impossible. Now I'm going to fast forward you to April of that same year. Um, I went into the doctor for a routine checkup. Uh, an EKG was taken, and when the doctor came in and he was reading the EKG, he said, um, there's some abnormalities in your EKG. I'd like for you to see a cardiologist. He called himself and made the appointment for the very next day. That was my cue that um, something may be a, a, a bit out of order here, a little, a little serious. Uh, I saw the cardiologist and he asked a series of questions and had me back just a couple of days later for some extensive testing. A few hours after that test, he called me. No, it's typically not good news when your doctor calls you. Sometimes it could be, but this time it wasn't. And he said, um, I need to tell you that you're very sick. In fact, your heart is in failure. And he followed that up by saying, don't do anything. Don't do anything. You need to restrict your movement because you are very, very sick. And so with that news, honestly, we were confused. We were anxious. We were very frightened. We didn't have enough information to know how to walk through it. But it seemed like this knapsack that had been placed on our back was not just a knapsack, but it was something big. 
uh, and it was growing and there was more and more being loaded into it and it felt like it was dragging the ground and being able to move through life seemed almost impossible. How are we going to deal with this situation while all of these other situations are still going on? Uh, and then if that weren't enough, in the remainder of that year, uh, we had a ministry change, uh, a move across the states, um, multiple uh, medical procedures on my behalf, and my mom died uh, in August of that year. And again, the knapsack seemed really big. And at this point, it felt like we were unable to move. Not knowing what to do, we recognized that we did have a choice to make. You see, I'm telling you this story for purpose. The purpose is not for pity. It's not for sympathy, but instead to let you know of a choice that we realized that we had. And the choice that we knew that we had is that we could face those situations through mumbling and grumbling and blaming and complaining, or we could choose thanksgiving. We could choose gratitude. And our choice was that in the midst of the most challenging year of our lives, we were going to choose to have gratitude. We were going to choose Thanksgiving. And this is what it looked like. Every single day from that point, and we still do this to this day, we take time as a couple and we speak out the goodness of God in our lives. We don't just do it in the good times, but we do it in the challenging times. We speak out the little blessings. We speak out the big blessings. We speak out the blessings in between. We take time to remember God's faithfulness because here's the truth. God has always been faithful. Just as his word says, his mercies are new every morning. He's never let us down. He's allowed us to go through some very challenging times, but in each time we grew. We became different people because of our choice. God has never disappointed us. And so we just began to speak out. I'm thankful for my home. Thankful that my cars are paid for. I'm thankful for the meal that we had. I'm thankful that my grass is green. I'm thankful that it didn't rain today. Whatever it might be, we just began to proclaim the goodness of God. And by doing that, it set the course, not only just for our life at that time, but for our future. We believe that it changed how we live life because of a choice that we made. We learned some very valuable lessons in 2017. Many lessons, but perhaps the most valuable lesson that we learned is that um, we can't choose what happens to us in life. Would you all agree with that? We don't get to choose what happens to us in life, but we can choose how we respond to what happens to us. We have the ability, we have the gift of choosing how to respond to what happens in our lives. That means gratitude really is a choice. And when we uh, choose not to be grateful, by default, we choose ingratitude. But here's the great thing about gratitude. One of the great things. When we choose to live with gratitude, not only does it change us, that's what we experienced, it changed us, 
but it also opens the way for God to work. It, there's something that's removed, the blockages, so that we can experience all that God has for us. Um, the choice between gratitude and complaint has been described by one person like this. Complaint and grumbling are the languages of hell. That's tough, isn't it? Pretty harsh, but think about it. Complaint and grumbling are the languages of hell. But praise and thanksgiving are the languages of heaven. And we get to choose the language that we speak. Think about that. We get to choose between the language of heaven or the language of hell. We get to choose between gratitude and complaint. If there's truth in this statement, and I fully believe it to be fully true, then we can conclude about the, uh, the Israelites, the children of Israel, that they were very fluent in the language of hell. Because it seems that their mother tongue was grumbling and complaining. This is how they lived life. And the passage that I had you turn to gives us a very clear picture of this reality. In just a moment, I want to read verses 10 through 14 of Exodus 14 to you. But before I do, I'd like to set up these verses. Um, the Israelites, the children of Israel, had been in bondage and slavery in Egypt for 430 years. 430 years. God taps on Moses' shoulder and says, I want you to be the one to lead them out of slavery, to lead them out of Egypt. I'm calling you to be the deliverer. And so um, Moses and his brother, at the instruction of God, go to Pharaoh. They have an audience with Pharaoh, and they say, let my people go. Let them go, Pharaoh. We're tired of being here in bondage. We're tired of being here in slavery. And guess what? Pharaoh was not interested. He was kind of like, talk to the hand. I really don't care what you got to say. Go back where you came from right now. His heart was hardened, just as God said it would be. And because of the hardness of his heart, because of the resistance, and because of Moses' persistence at God's instruction, God poured out ten destructive, deadly plagues on Egypt. With the last plague being the movement of the death angel through the streets, taking the lives of the firstborn sons of Egypt. What's interesting is that while Egypt suffered the destruction, the death of the death angel and all the other plagues, the children of Israel were never touched. They experienced God's protective hand all the way throughout the plagues. And so, after the final plague, after the movement of the death angel, after the children of Israel have eaten their first Passover meal, Pharaoh summons Moses and Aaron, and he calls them before him, and he says, Take your people and go. Go and worship your God. Get out of here. I am sick and I am tired of all that's going on because of you. Go now. And so the exodus begins. As they begin their journey, they have a visible manifestation of God's presence. God led them with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So as they were in their journey, as long as they would look at the cloud or the fire, they knew exactly where they were supposed to be. God was leading them. 
as God was leading them, he purposely at one point rerouted uh, their journey. They were about a week into their wilderness journey and he reroutes them and he takes them to a camp by the Red Sea and he has them camp there. Now imagine that uh, back in Egypt, Pharaoh has suddenly thought, what did I do? We've lost all of our labor. What was I thinking? These people can't go. Let's go get them back. So imagine the Israelites are camped by the Red Sea and they hear a noise. And um, at first, maybe it sounds like a, a, a thunderstorm in the distance. So they begin to look up in the sky to see what's going on. And um, suddenly they recognize that there are these great clouds of dust that's rising up. And as they continue to look, they recognize this is not a thunderstorm and this is not a dust storm caused by the wind. But as they look in the distance, they see Pharaoh, his chariots, and his army. And they're coming after them. And with that, let me pick up in, in verse 10 in chapter 14. It says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses... Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die here in the desert. Then in verse 13, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, will, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Think about this. They're camped at the Red Sea. So they know that in front of them is a great wall of water. And um, they look back in their rear view mirror, so to speak, and they see Pharaoh, his chariots, and his army bearing down on them and their response is they are frightened now uh, they had seen God pour out the 10 deadly plagues and they saw God deliver them from the centuries of bondage and now the same army that they had been delivered from the same people who kept them in captivity and bondage is coming after them and they have nowhere to go. At least they believe they have nowhere to go. They're stuck. From a human perspective, it seemed very bleak. It seemed very grim. In their estimation, there was no human power that could save them. So what chance could, uh, did they have? What could they do? You think that having seen the ten plagues and experiencing the protective hand of God, that they would be people of great faith. But it seems like they had already forgotten. They were only a week into the journey and they had already forgotten, apparently, what God had done to bring them out of bondage. So fear was their first response. But then they called out to God. But the problem is it was short-lived because that moved on into grumbling and blaming and complaining and it was all directed at Moses. Moses, what were you thinking? Why did you bring us out here in the desert to die? Did you really think that there weren't enough graves in Egypt 
Moses, we told you when this all started, leave us alone. We are fine here serving the Egyptians. We're fine here being in slavery. Leave us alone. Stop. But you insisted. You kept on. And now look at the situation we're in. They're coming after us. The Red Sea is in front of us. We have no way of escape. Fear was an understandable response. Would you be afraid? I would. I, I could say that would be my first response. Um, calling out to God was a right response. It really was. Um, but the train went off the track when calling out to God turned into complaining. Um, blaming and complaining was a recurring response for the children of Israel. Throughout their journey, as long as they were comfortable and as long as everything was going just fine, they worshipped God, they loved God, they bowed down to God. They were God's people. But the moment challenge came, the moment trial came, the moment they were in a tough spot, every Thing changed. It seemed like they forgot all that God had done. And they grumbled, they blamed, they complained. And this caused me to think personally. I wonder how often that's true for me. Is it true that when everything is going good, when I'm really comfortable, I don't have any challenges going on in life, that uh, I'm all in? Praise you, God. I love you, God. Thank you for your blessing and your blessing and your blessing and your blessing. But the moment the trial comes, the moment the challenge comes, how often do I forget God's goodness? How often do I forget that God's mercies are new every morning and that he has always been faithful and he's never let me down? How often do I forget when trial comes just how good God has been? And I want to ask you the same question. I'm sure that when things are going good, you're real comfortable, you and God. But how many times, when the tough times come, do you move to complaint? And it seems that you've forgotten all that God's done for you. I don't think you're any different than me. I honestly don't. I think it's our natural default. I do think as we become stronger and stronger in our relationship with Jesus Christ and as we experience transformation, it happens less and less. But there's something in us that would cause us to want to go there. So I ask you, how often do you forget all that God's done for you? How often do we choose the language of hell instead of the language of heaven? How often do we make the wrong choice and we choose to grumble and complain? Let me tell you what I've learned about complaining. Complaining is of absolutely no benefit. Has anyone in the room ever found you got great sympathy through complaint? No. No. What, when, when you find a chronic complainer, what do you want to do? Get away tell them to get away tired of hearing it you know what because it doesn't do any good complaining does not change our situations for the better in fact complaining creates crisis 
in our lives. It really, really does. Listen, when we choose complaint over gratitude, complaint will keep us focused on the negative instead of the positive. That's exactly what happened with the children of Israel. They're complaining kept them focused on the fact the enemy's coming after us and the Red Sea's in front of us, forgetting that God had already delivered them. They had been safe all through the plagues, so God could make a way right now, and we know he did. He split the waters. Complaining distorts reality and makes uh, things seem worse than they are. Have you found that to be true? When we complain, it just distorts, and things seem much worse, and that's what happened with the children of Israel. It, they became so distorted that they said, we would rather be in bondage in, in Egypt than to be here in this spot. And the same happens to us. We lose perspective. And finally, complaining will keep you from seeking, keep us from seeking the one who has the solution. And of course, that's God. I'm going to say it again. As long as the Israelites kept their eyes on the cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, then they, they were following God's lead. They were people who were walking by faith and no enemy could harm them. It was impossible because they were people of faith. They were following God. But when they took their eyes off the cloud, when they took their eyes off the pillar and they looked back and they saw the Egyptians getting near, they became frightened and they began to complain. In other words, they chose the language of hell rather than the language of heaven. They chose ingratitude over gratitude. Every day, each one of us has a choice to make. We can choose gratitude or we can choose complaint. And the choice that we make will shape our lives. And there's only one right choice to make. Let me tell you why. Gratitude fuels our faith. Complaint fuels our fear. Gratitude sets us up for the greater opportunities that God has for us. Compl complaint blinds us from seeing those opportunities. Gratitude will make us better, but complaint will make us bitter. Think about that. Complaint makes us bitter. So, the bottom line is, again, we all have a choice to make. Choosing gratitude isn't always our natural response, and so we have to be very intentional about it. Let me see if I can just give you a brief Maybe you think it's a crazy illustration, but I, I'm sure it'll get the point across. Let's decide, let's say that you decide that in your neighborhood that you want to uh, win the, the, the Yard of the Month Award. Maybe that's something they do in your neighborhood. And so you go out one day and you look from your front porch and you inspect your front yard and you recognize that yeah, the yard's okay, but it needs a little work. But there's this dirt path right down the middle of the yard. And it's there because you go on a, you're real healthy. You go on a walk every day. But when you come out of your house, instead of coming out of your house, walking down the stairs, turning and going along the sidewalk and then down the driveway to where the main sidewalk is, when you come out your front door, you take the shortcut and you just walk through the grass. And you've been doing that for a long time, months, years maybe. And as a result, there's a dirt path. And your yard's not going to win yard of the month. If you've got a dirt path down, your yard, down, down, the, down the yard, so what do you have to do? You have to change what you do. And you have to be very intentional about it. When you come out of your house in the morning and you're going to go on your walk, you've got to walk down the steps and you've got to think, oh, 
I got to turn, take the sidewalk, go down the driveway. And if you continue to do that over time, guess what? The dirt path is going to go away and you've established a new and a right pattern. We're told in Romans chapter 12 that we are to be in the process of renewing our mind. And part of renewing our mind is to, to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us in such a way that we would choose gratitude. That we would take in the word in such a way and we would let the Holy Spirit work it in our hearts and our lives in such a way that we continually recognize the goodness of God. And so what we find is over time when we say... In fact, I was talking to someone after service and we were just talking and he started to say, he goes, oh, I was just starting to complain. The message worked. And he, he took something and he turned it into a positive statement of thanksgiving. And it was genuine. And that's exactly what we have to do. We have to think it through. We have to say, uh, no. Thank you, God. And we do that over and over and over. And we develop new patterns in our mind. But it's not something we do on our own. We do it through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so we have to, we have to be intentional. We have to create these new paths. And here's how we do it. We begin every day. And we throughout the day give thanks. We have to train ourselves to see good even in the bad and in the challenging times. And we have to thank God for the little things, not just the big things. We have to give thanks to him in everything. So I have some questions that I want to ask you as we're closing up this morning. Um, what has your choice been? What have you been choosing? Have you been choosing gratitude or have you been choosing complaint? Be really honest with yourself. What do you want to choose? Please say gratitude. Don't say complaint. I believe we all want to choose gratitude. What changes, what course direction do we need to make if we're going to choose gratitude? Where do we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we can do that? Would you bow your heads? And I want you to just think about that just for a few moments. What choice have you been making? Have you been choosing the language of heaven or the language of hell? What choice do you want to make? And what course adjustments do you need to make with the help of the Holy Spirit working in your life? God, um, I think I can speak for all of us that there is a tendency within us to move to our, uh, our natural default. Um, that it, it becomes easy when challenges to come to want to be negative, to want to complain. I'm asking today that you help us function in a supernatural way. That by the empowerment of your Holy Spirit, that we are intentional about renewing our minds and that we would be intentional about being people of thanksgiving, of gratitude. That we would remember you in the big, in the medium, and the small, and we would give thanks. Especially when tough times come. Help us to be people who are thankful. 
I pray that for every one of us. I pray that you just fill us with your spirit right now because in ourselves, this is not possible. But through you, all things are possible. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, uh, before we finish today, uh, just honoring a commitment that I've made, that we've made as a staff, uh, it's possible that someone's here today and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And today, there's something going on inside of your heart. Uh, it's a stirring uh, and you're not quite sure what it is, but I want to tell you, it's the Holy Spirit working and I'm uh, talking to you about uh, the choices that you've made that have separated you from God. Uh, and it's all about you becoming a new creation today, that you would, with your mouth, confess that you believe Jesus Christ died for your sin, acknowledge that in your heart and believe and so today, if you're here and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, I want to say that today is your day. Um, if that's you, with everyone else's eyes closed or heads bowed, if you want to make that decision today, I would just ask that you would lift up your hand and let your eyes catch my eyes. I just want to pray with you. Is there anyone here today? Anyone at all? Father, once again, I thank you that you have brought us together as a committed group of Christ followers and so I pray that when we leave this place today and we go out into the world where we spend our time we know we're going to encounter people who don't need you who, who don't know you and need you and so um, I'm asking that we would just be filled with the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ filled with the love of Jesus Christ and we would be the gospel that we would be Jesus and people would notice and they would begin to ask us questions and we could Help them come into a relationship with you. And Father God, I ask that you send us people on the weekend who don't know you so that we can proclaim the gospel to them and um, see them come into the kingdom. We thank you because this is going to happen. And we thank you for what you're doing. I pray blessing over this people. I pray in this holiday week that it be filled with goodness and health and happiness and peace and joy. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.